0: Well, this morning we are continuing a series, uh, Ridiculously Generous. Notre Dame researchers Christian Smith and Hillary Davidson, this is what they wrote, America has a generosity problem. Despite our relative wealth and voluntarist spirit, the majority of us clutch tightly to our pocketbooks and our schedules. According to our data collected with the Science of Generosity survey, only 3% of American adults give away 10% or more of their income. What does this tell us? The vast majority of Americans, 97%, hear this carefully, are forfeiting the chance to enhance their well-being by practicing real generosity with their money. Yep, you got it. We're going to talk about money today. So buckle up and get ready. The reality is, is the way that we view money and the way that we use money, money talks to our family, to our friends, to those that we, we have relationship with. And so today, we're going to have a money talk. But before we do that, we're going to do a little homework study, a homework review. You say, homework? Was there Homework? It's literally, if you remember in school, you'd show up on a day and teachers, okay, we're going to review homework. And you go, homework? We had homework? Oh, no. And then it always seemed that the teacher would find me, the one who had not done his homework, and say, Gary, what did you learn? Uh, 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 You know, whatever. Well, we're going to talk about homework. I gave you two assignments last week. Number one was to ask God for a generosity moment last week. God, give me a generosity moment. Pray and ask him for a generosity moment. The second one was, commit, consider and commit to leveraging your resources through Crossroads Church to reach our community and the world. Well, how are we doing with that? You don't have to answer, but think about it. Did God give you that opportunity? And if he did, or as he did, did you walk through that opportunity? And let me tell you mine, because I prayed it too. I was at Vons, and not a big deal, I think I was picking up some extra stuff at Vons that I'd forgotten the first time that it went, so that's usually what happens. So I'm at Vons, and I'm in the the 15 or less, you know, thing, getting through there quickly. And an opportunity arose. Here's what it was. Would you like to round up the amount to help a family in need at Thanksgiving? And I went, yes, I would. And you say, well, that wasn't very much. Well, last week we talked about that. Generosity isn't about an amount, it's about your heart. And it's about the willingness that you have to respond when an opportunity presents itself. Now here's what's so extraordinary about this for me. I walked away like I was walking on clouds. I was so excited, and I even, as I'm walking out of bonds, I'm saying, God, thank you for pointing this out in my life. So I want to encourage you. Let that be your prayer this week also. God, give me a moment. Give me an opportunity to be generous in some regard and continue to uh, commit or, or consider committing to leveraging your resources through Crossroads Church. Throughout Scripture, money is mentioned approximately 2,350 times. That's a, that's a lot of references. To dollars, in fact, or to money. In fact, about 25% of Jesus' teaching, Jesus' parables, are committed to money. Now, when you compare that to topics like faith, hope, love, heaven, and hell, all of those topics combined total approximately 2,200. So to not talk about money would just simply be wrong. We would be doing violence, really, to scripture because we need to address it. It is a very, very important part of our life, and in fact, last week we were talking about this. That when you talk about generosity, generosity is a matter of of, of one's heart. It's it's more it's more than just it's more than just a talk about money. It's really how we view it and how we use it because it deals with our spiritual well being. In fact, this is a phrase that is really powerful and it's kind of struck me and rocked me this week. If we say we trust Jesus, if we say we trust Jesus with our eternity, but we don't trust him with our finances, something's off. Think about that. Let that settle in your heart for a moment. If we say we trust Jesus with our eternity, but we don't trust him with our finances, something's off. And I want to tell you, I have trusted Jesus with my eternity. 100%. I am all in. I am believing that not only has Jesus given me life for this moment in time, but also eternal life. I have trusted him with my eternity. So therefore, I really do believe I need to trust him with my finances. Because if I don't, I would even question the level of my trust that I have in God. The Apostle John said in 3 John, verse number 3, he said, I pray for good fortune. Pray for good fortune in everything that you do, and for your good health, and your everyday affairs prosper as well as your soul. That is my prayer for you, is that you would prosper in everything you set your hand to do. But the way that we view and the way that we use money is deeply, is deeply connected, is deeply connected to our spiritual well-being you know that as i look at this i i think about how i view money how i use it it's a matter of my heart it's a matter of my head but even better martin luther this is a paraphrase of something martin luther said many years ago he said there are three conversions a person must experience a conversion of the head a conversion of the heart and a conversion of the pocketbook and it's absolutely true we, we, we were, we're very willing, most of us are very willing to give our head, our, our, our thoughts, our minds to the Lord. We're very willing to, to commit our heart to the Lord. But when it comes to our pocketbook, oh, wait a minute, hold on. We've trusted God with what we think. We've trusted God with our eternity, but we will not trust him with our finances. Something's off. There's a disconnect. Our foundational verse for the series is Proverbs 11. I love, I love this verse. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The big idea that we're considering over these weeks is that God loves us and wants the best for us. He does not want something from you. He wants something for us. He knows that we will thrive. And I love that. He knows that we will thrive when we give ourselves away. He calls us to be ridiculously generous. And that is my prayer for all of us today at Crossroads Church, is we would be ridiculously generous. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture from the book of 2 Corinthians. This is a letter that Paul wrote to a church, real people, real time, a real place, folks that are just kind of doing life like you and I are. And Corinth was, the letters that Paul wrote, he wrote two letters to Corinth, in fact, he gave 29 chapters, so 16 chapters in 1 Corinthians, 13 chapters in 2 Corinthians, these two letters. Now, now think about it for a moment. This were, these were letters of correction. <laughs> they were, they were kind of messed up. So he spent 29 chapters, more than any other corrective or letter given in the New Testament he sent to Corinth. And he talks to them about their generosity, and he does so Really from the, from the point of a gift going to be given to this church in Jerusalem. And that's what forms all this. We're going to read a, read a lot from 2 Corinthians, and it's all around that thought, or rather that act of giving or generosity was a gift to be given to the church in Jerusalem. So look at it with me, if you would, 2 Corinthians 9, beginning at verse number 6. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart what or how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat in the same way in this excuse me for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat in the same way he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you yes you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous and when we take your gifts to those who need them they will thank God two good things will result ministry of giving. The needs of believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result, your ministry, of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. Father, I pray that you will speak life to us from your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Three questions I want to ask this morning. Three questions. Number one is how do we give? How do we give? Now, if you were to do a just a simple Google search on how-to books, you're going to come up with five and a quarter billion different opportunities. Now, that doesn't mean there's five and a quarter billion books on how to do things. It just tells me that there's a lot of curiosity on how to do something, whatever that is. You know, I think we all have that fundamental curiosity, how to do certain things. And I believe the same is true when it comes to giving. How How do we give? Now, I'm not talking about writing a check. I'm not talking about giving cash. I'm not talking about using online research. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something deeper, something more than that. You see, last week, and I want to encourage you, if you didn't hear last week's message or the week before, let me encourage you to do that. Let this series come alive in you because I believe it really is life transforming. But last week we talked about some of these very important matters. For example, we are generous because God has given us an example of generosity through giving of his son. We are generous out of a matter of our heart. It's opposite of our human nature. And then we also talked about the ownership principle, that God is the one who owns everything. So when I consider this, Those are some things that that give us a very foundational understanding of why we're to be generous. But then how do we do it? How do we do it? Three how to give principles Paul gives us. The first is this. We're to give generously. Generously. Paul uses an example of a farmer. And he just, it's kind of obvious. He says, the farmer who sows a lot, receives a lot. That's kind of the bottom line. If you put one seed in the ground, you're going to get a very small harvest. You put 10 seed, you're going to get 10, you're going to put 10 seeds in, you're going to get 10 more than you would have with one. If you put 100, okay, we all get it. The more you sow, the more that you reap. Now, I'm, I kind of understand that. I'm not a farmer. And you say, boy, that's for sure. You're not a farmer. I get that. I mean, the best that I've ever done is yard work. And I don't consider that being farming. The close that I ever came to farming was at my mother-in-law's house. She grew a wonderful garden every year, and we were the benefactors of that garden. And it was wonderful—tomatoes and squash and all the things, beans and all kinds of things she would grow. She had a green thumb beyond green thumbs. So she asked me one day, "She, Gary, will you help me plant?" And I said, "Sure, be happy to." We're planting onions. Marcy reminded me of what we were planting today. I'd forgotten what we were planting. I just know we were planting and what I did in the process. So I'm planting the onions. And she said, "Now plant the onions here. So I did, and I kept drawing, I tried. She said, take the string, put the string at the end, and then plant along that. The only thing that I didn't do is I only moved one side of the string. So if you can figure out what happens, is one was straight, the next one wasn't, the next one wasn't, so I had this angled garden well, did I receive grief out of that for the next 25 years? Every time we talked about plant and onions, I was the topic of conversation. Now, but here's the thing that happened. The good thing about it, even though I didn't do it particularly right, there was still in a bountiful harvest. Sometimes we get so hung up on the how-tos, on the practical sides, we forget the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter here is generosity. It's not that I write a check. It's not that I do it online. It's not that I do it by cat. No, it's generosity. What is generated from our hearts? That's what Paul's saying. How to give generously. Generously. Now, Back to our survey a moment ago, if it's true that Americans have a generosity problem, then how can I give generously? How do I do that? How do I do that? Well, Paul says it. I think pretty clearly. He says a person should decide in their heart what to give. I thought about that, and I wonder if you're like me. When's the last time we literally stopped, we paused, and we said, "God, what do you want me to give?" N- not not what's this? <laughs> not what I may be able to give. That's a different question. But when we start from the premise of saying, wait a second, if I'm going to be generous, I need to start with, God, what do you want me to do? That's a game changer. Everything changes. When we put, what, our pocketbook in the hands of God. When we have a conversion of our pocketbook. What's God saying to you? Is it I give 1%, 2%, 3%, 5%, 10%, 100%. What's he saying? I don't know what he's saying. I'm not here to tell you what he might be saying. Marcy and I, we tithe. We give a full 10% of what we receive, plus we do offerings over and above that for missions and other projects and other opportunities to be generous. I'm not suggesting you should do that. The New Testament does not explicitly require us to tithe. It doesn't say it. This is what you know. It's that was an old testament law. However, however, the New Testament is a testament, is a covenant, is based upon grace, which far exceeds the law of the Old Testament. So therefore, the Old Testament becomes the bottom line. Someone said it this way, it's the training wheels. It's the training wheels to generosity. So if it's 10% and we say 10% is it, no, that's the training wheels. That's the law side. Grace says there's so much more that God wants to do through us. But see, that's a matter of asking God, what do you want me to give? That's a different question. Mark chapter 12, you may recognize this passage. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped their money. Now let me stop for a second. You gotta catch this picture. Where Jesus was sitting in the temple, there were what were called trumpets. The trumpets were were large receptacles to receive the offering. And you see, he's sitting and he's watching the crowds give. Now, he's not making a judgment. He's just, come on. Everybody in the room has sat somewhere and people watched. And all of us, you cannot, you cannot say you haven't done this. All of us, when we're people watching, we're making determinations. Do I dare say judging? He wasn't doing that. But we, he was watching. But these trumpets would make noise when the coins were dropped in. Okay? So he's he's seeing all of this. He's hearing it. So look at, he says, he watched his crowds drop their money. Many rich people put large in large amounts. So it's making a lot of noise. All right. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to it. So just understand, she didn't make a whole lot of noise. It was just a little bit of noise. So Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. See, giving generously, giving generously is to give in such a way that God is glorified. Let me tell you something. That hits me right in the heart. Because I want to be a generous person. Not for the sake of being noticed, but for the sake of the glory of God. Second way we give is we're to give willingly. So we give generously and we also give willingly. This is how we give willingly. I think every one of us at some point have done things more out of duty than we have out of desire. I guess you could say. When I was in college, I had work-study, like a lot of, a lot of students who go to school, and I'd work-study, and my work-study was I was on the janitorial crew. And I had the wonderful duty of cleaning one of the men's dorms. It was, those guys are disgusting. They, I, don't know how, I don't know how else to say it. It was just flat disgusting. Now, I want to tell you something. I would, I would get ready to go clean the dormitory and I was like, oh, "I got it. I have to do this. It was duty, 100% duty. I didn't have any willingness at all. I was hesitant beyond words because I didn't want to go in there. Because I would, I would walk up with all my stuff, and I think, what am I going to find today? And it was new every week. There was one thing for sure. It never, uh, it did get old, but it certainly wasn't boring. I guess you could say." That was out of duty. It wasn't out of willingness. It was duty. And I wonder how often I've given out of duty. Because I feel so compelled to give. I don't, Paul says it very clearly, that we're not to give reluctantly. We're not to give under compulsion. If somebody puts pressure on you, no. No. It takes away what we're going to talk about in a moment. We are to do so willing. And again, it's a matter of one's heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, look at this. If you want to give, your gift will be accepted. What does that mean? Does it mean that if we're doing it by duty, that God doesn't receive it? No, He'll receive it. But you're missing out on the blessing and the, and the connection to God and the glory it gives to God when we just do it out of duty. We, we miss the point. We miss the point. And it'll be judged, as Paul says, not, judged by what you have, not by what you do not have. Third way that we give is we give cheerfully. I've been in church services over the years where they would get ready to take the offering and people would applaud. And that's, you know, that's fine. And I understand why. That's kind of an expression of being cheerful in our giving. I, I get that. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Something really significant to me about that. I know that God loves me just as I am, whether I can bring anything or not. I know that. But isn't it interesting that Paul is very clear that he says God loves a cheerful giver? Because he knows how good it is for us to give. And he rejoices in the fact that as we give out of our resources, there's something that's going to come from his hand to us. The blessing in extraordinary ways. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1. Paul says, and now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being filled, excuse me, they're being tested by many troubles. And and they are very poor. But they're also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. Now look at this. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. Notice they were poor. They were filled with abundant joy, which overflowed in generosity. But the key of cheerful giving is that they first gave themselves to the Lord. Their heart was God's. Therefore, when your heart is God's, something amazing is going to happen. Our giving will result in abundant joy regardless whether we have much or whether we have lack. That's when it becomes cheerful. Randy Elkhorn said this, I think it's great. He says, give and God will bring you addictive happiness that will prompt you to go on giving. I love that phrase, addictive happiness. So how do we give? Generously, willingly, and cheerfully. Second question this morning is, that what happens when I give? What happens? Let me go back to our text for a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 11 and through 13. It says, guess, well, Paul says, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. So there's, there's at least four different things that happen when we give. The first is that you will be enriched. We are enriched to be increasingly generous. You see, the blessings that you and I receive, whether financial, health, uh, talents, whatever those resources are, we do not receive so that we can compile and we can just grow and grow. No, we receive the blessings. We are enriched in every way for one purpose so that we can be generous on every occasion. It is, it is to increase that which God has provided us so that we can bless others. Christian Smith and Hillary Davidson, those two researchers from Notre Dame, in that study, they, were, they had 2,000 respondents in that study of generosity. That's a very significant study. 2,000 respondents. And what they discovered was that giving is really good for you. It's healthy for you. And what they discovered was this, that there is a release when we are generous. There is a release of good chemicals physically within us. Chemicals such as oxytocin, dopamine, and various endorphins. And I can personally attest to this. When, on, when I think it was Tuesday, I think it was a Tuesday when I was at Vaughn's. When I did what I did, which was just really small, I'm telling you, really small, I walked away feeling like I was walking on a cloud. I felt a rush of joy within me, and I believe what happened is that there were good chemicals released when first I was obedient to God in that, but the second part of that is that there was generosity expressed. You see, the converse is also true that if there are good things produced by our generosity, when we withhold our generosity, we are at significant risk of ending up less happy. That was part of what they discovered. And if we want addictive happiness, generosity is a key to being happy so many different ways. Second thing that results or what happens when we give is that people's needs are met. People's needs are met. And especially as we look at a local church like Crossroads Church, as you give, people's needs are met. Let me just give you one example. Just one example. We're very blessed. Let me, let me back you in a second. Our, our, our mission statement, our mission and vision statement at Crossroads Church is to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow him. There's a lot of different ways we do that. Whether it's through children's ministries or students or benevolence. And in regards to benevolence, we are very blessed to have connected to our church, Circle of Care. Circle of Care, every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, provides food and resources for those who are needy. A lot of churches do this, and I am grateful that we have something so very significant here. And we've talked about this before. But over the last year, Circle of Care provided, you ready? Approximately 35,000 families with physical with with food and other goods to help them through difficult times, I'm grateful for that. That equates during the course of a year. I mean, you can see that's just tens of thousands of people, tens of thousands. And and are you ready for this? About a million pounds of food were given away last year. Now that's how needs are met as we continue to give as we are as we honor God with our resources. People's needs are met, and I'm grateful for that. So thank you for continuing to give. Not only are we enriched to be increasingly generous and our people's needs met, the third thing that happens is that thanksgiving is expressed to God. And Paul's very clear about this. When when you give, they said thank you. And last year, during during 2018, the first seven months of the year were really challenging financially for us as a church. We were, doing, we were making some adjustments on our budget and doing a lot of different things. God really helped us to, to bring us into a place of really strong, a real strong financial position. But it was, we had some hard months. And I got to the point of July where July last year was a very difficult month. I don't know how else to say it, but we were, we were far behind in our, in our resources. And we knew we were, in a, we were just in a difficult place. In fact, we were $20,000 behind where we should have been. And that's troubling. We, we were just putting this, Lord, you got to help us. We're, we're doing, we feel like we're doing everything we can. We have cut this and we have cut this and we trimmed that and we've made adjustments here. We we're $20,000 back. I'm thinking, God, I don't know what to do. We just prayed and said, Lord, it's in your hands. So the end of August last year, I did a vision message, which I do each each last Sunday of August. I never told. The congregation, the amount where we were, the, the, the amount, the $20,000. Never made a statement of that. I just said it was a difficult month. You know, pray with us and help us if you can. Something along those lines. The next morning, I came to the office on Monday, and Patty and I, who are our bookkeeper, we were sitting down and chatting, and she said, oh, by the way, Pastor, just want you to know, somebody yesterday put $20,000 in the offering. And I went, What? would you say that again? $20,000. Understand something. I had, I never mentioned the amount. I didn't say a thing. I just said there's a need. Someone responded. Let me tell you what I did. Thank you, Jesus. Because he is the one who provided the need. Yes, I want to say thank you, to you as you give, but understand something. Ultimately, I want to say thank you, but ultimately I say thank you to God for his provision. God will take care of us, and God will take care of you. When we are generous, when we're generous, and we give in the ways of genera- being you know, generously and willingly and, and cheerfully, gratitude is what flows from that. Because in your life, when God provides for you, your first response is, not how can I get more. Our first response should be, thank you, Jesus. You've done something marvelous in, my, in our lives. You provided for us. I'm grateful for that. And the last thing is that God's glorified. See, ultimately, God is the one who receives the glory. Not us, but God. It points back. To him, we we say thank you for all that God is and all that God has done and all that God continues to do. He's glorified through our generosity. He's revered and he is honored. And the last question this morning is, why do we give? Why? Well, there's a couple of reasons that Paul addresses in the text. The first is we give because of obedience. Obedience. There is an element of obedience in our giving. I can't ignore that. Proverbs chapter three verse nine. Solomon says it very clearly. He says, "Honor the Lord by giving Him the first part of all your income. He will fill your barns with wheat and barley, and the overflow of your wine vats with the finest wines." What's he saying? There's a priority to giving. That's that's a that's a discipline, and that's an act of obedience to give to Him first. Malachi, the Lord through Malachi would say this: "Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse." And He doesn't make. Is it if you do, he just says, bring it. It's, it's, an obe- it's commanding rather than just optional. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room, enough room to store it. And then Matthew chapter 10, give as you have freely received. There are numerous things in our, in our following of Christ that require obedience, and giving is one of them. We're to be obedient in our giving. Second is we give because of grace. That's a why. We give because of grace. You notice 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul's very clear when he's talking to the Corinthians. He says this, see that you excel in this what? Grace of giving. Grace is connected to giving. We, we are saved by grace. We are sustained by Grace. We stand upon grace. I am so grateful for the grace of God, the unmerited and undeserved favor of God. And out of his grace, I give, not just based upon what I'm required or considered to be required based upon law, but I give over an abundant. Why? Because of the grace of God. We don't deserve it, but he yet extends to us his grace. And I'm grateful for that. So today, let me give you again four benefits of generosity as we, begin to, as we begin to bring our time to a close. First of all, generosity honors God. These are, these are Rick Warren. Rick Warren did these a few years ago and I picked up the 12 of them. I gave you four last week, four this week, four next week. Generosity honors God. Proverbs 14, 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. But I love this. But he who is generous to the needy honors him. Generous. Generosity, number two. Generosity makes me more like Jesus. Boy, do I like that idea. Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. Purity, Luke 40, Luke 11, 41, purity is best demonstrated by what? Generosity. Jesus was, he is the definition of purity. Number three, generosity demonstrates my faith. Malachi 3, 10, we just read that a moment ago. Test me in this. Test me in this. This is the only challenge in Scripture. Test me. Test me. God says, test me. Put me to the test, and I will prove myself faithful. That's what he's saying. It's a step of faith. 2 Corinthians 9, 13. Moreover, your very giving proves that the, reali- the reality of your faith. You see, when we give, we're trusting God. We're trusting God. Remember the conversion of our pocketbook? Remember that we trust him with our eternity, but do we trust him with our finances? It's a step of faith. And then number four, generosity draws me closer to God. Your heart will be where you treasure it. So I would ask this question, what kind of a giver are you? What kind of a giver are you? Think about it for a moment. What kind of a giver? Occasional? Are you an occasional giver in this sense? I'm not sure about this journey. I don't know what to do. I'm just starting. You know, I, I don't have much. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I, 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 I just, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of afraid, fearful of this. I'm uneasy. Can I tell you something? I get that. So does God. So does God. An occasional giver. Second type is consistent. I made a habit of giving. I'm growing my faith. And I'm trusting God more and more. Man, that would be a great place to be. All of these are are really good places to be. And we'll talk about more in a minute. This third type is intentional, an intentional giver. I've made giving a priority because Jesus is a priority. Because Jesus is a priority, I give. That's a priority for me. And Crossroads Church is where I invest my resources. Fourth type of giving is a sacrificial giver. Sacrificial, this means we give up certain things so that we can be more generous. I've been challenged with this. I've been challenged with this. I think about this for a moment. It's changing the way I think. And you ready? This is something you, you need to just let settle into your heart. I, I'm considering how much how much should I keep rather than how much should I give? How much should I keep? Instead of how much should I give? When we come all the way full circle around and we say, what does Paul say? Persons should decide in their heart what they should give. What if God flipped the switch on you? Are we willing to hear his voice and respond? How much should I keep instead of how much I should give? And then lastly, as a legacy giver, in other words, establishing a lifetime goal. This is where I want. This is what I want to give. This is what I want to do. So I don't know where you might find yourself this morning in that continuum. But so the three takeaways this morning are this. The first one is this. I want to encourage you to advance your generosity. We're in football season. I love football. Um, I know many of you do also. That's why every weekend I see. Steelers jerseys. I don't know about that. That's a little. See, I knew I'd get something from the back row. You notice, back row, back row. Football is a great, it's a great sport. But I'll tell you, coaches will get frustrated at something. When a team moves the ball between the 20s, their 20 to the opposing 20, and they can't break through that into the red zone and get that ball into the end zone for touchdowns. It's frustrating to get in the red zone and come away with nothing. I want to encourage you to advance your generosity. Push through that red zone into the end zone. Get, move it forward. Move that ball forward. You say, Gary, I don't, I'm an occasional giver right now. I, I, okay, I'm not just going to be occasional. I'm going to be a consistent giver. I'm going to move, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to move this thing forward. Maybe you say you look back at your income and you, you do a little bit of study and you say, over this last year, I only gave 1% of my income away. All right, in this coming year, I'm going to give 2%. I'm going to move it forward and I'm going to believe that God's going to... I'm going to move it forward to 3 Whatever it is, move it forward. Advance your generosity. Second, second, confess your fears and trust God. Can we just get honest with God We can get very fearful in a message like this because I know what happens. We tighten up. I get it. We get it closer. We're afraid because we don't know how to make ends. We just don't know. We don't know what to do with this. I understand that. So does God confess those fears to the Lord. Did you know something? I hope you do know this that John, First John, we would read these words, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives away fear. That perfect love is found in Christ. Trust Him. Confess your fears and trust Him. Now, Psalm 37, 25. I was young and now I'm old, David says, and yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. I'm going to make a confession this morning. I guess this isn't the first time I did it, because the first time I did it was in first service. So this is the first time you're going to hear it. I'm going to make a confession. And this is a hard one to make, I'm telling you. Ready? I was young, and now I'm old. However... I have never, we have never been begging for bread. We have never had any lack. Ever since I have been born, I have lived on this planet. God has met every need. He has taken care of me every step of the way. He will not fail. He has not failed me. He will not fail you. He will not. He will not. So it's time to put your, be honest with your fears. This is what I fear. It's time for me to trust in God. I trust Him with my eternity, and now I trust Him with my finances. He will provide for you, He will not fail. His reputation's on the line, and His reputation is perfect. Will not fail. And lastly, start giving today. You go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. The other things I can do, this today thing, wait, whoa, whoa wait, start giving today. In other words, maybe it's not November 10th, 2019, but maybe it's this season It's time for me to get off of where I am. It's time to push beyond that 20-yard line and get this thing moving because I believe God has something for me. He doesn't want something from me. He desires the best for me. And as I begin to move into the generosity that He desires for me, He's going to do something amazing in my life. Can we believe for that? Trust that you can. Remember Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you start thinking to yourselves, (laughs) if you start thinking to yourselves, I did all this, and all by myself, I am rich. It's all mine. Well, think again. Remember that God, your God, gave you the strength to produce all this wealth. What you have, what I have, has come from the hand of a gracious God. Give back to Him. Give back to Him what is rightfully His. And He will make all grace abound to you. And He will provide resources pressed down, shaken together, and running over to His honor and to His glory. Thank you, Jesus, for your word this morning. And I pray that... You will do something amazing in our life today, in each of us, uniquely. Pray in Jesus' name, amen.